0: often wear many hats in life, mother, daughter, wife, ex-wife, caregiver, mom, taxi, chief cook, and bottle washer. In most cases, we're doing all this while holding down a full-time job or even running our own companies. It's often high pressure and most always involves stress. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women in high-stress professions where we'll discuss how to manage the stress at work and at home so you can feel happier, healthier, and more successful. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence.
1: My name is Esme Lawrence, and welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast. Today on my show, we have my friend, Janine Liston. Janine has a degree in engineering. She's known as the pricing lady. Janine is a certified pricing professional. An entrepreneur and a public speaking champion. She has 20 years of experience in product marketing and pricing. She has successfully worked with small businesses worldwide to build their profitability by improved pricing. Watch out, Janine's passion for pricing is contagious. Welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast, Janine. Hello Esme, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here.
2: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um so
1: you live in in Switzerland. Why did you move to Switzerland?
2: I do. I've lived in Switzerland since July 31st of 2001 and I originally the vehicle I came was with was a company that I was working for in New York that bought a Swiss competitor, but the reason I came was actually for the life experience. I honestly it never occurred to me that living overseas was an option for me but I had always sort of been leading myself in some ways in that direction and when the opportunity came up I just couldn't pass up the chance to see another part of the world and learn another language.
1: Right so then once you got to Switzerland what did you love about it?
2: Actually, I find, in many ways, life is very simple here. So you don't necessarily have a lot of the conveniences that we have in North America, like stores being open 24 hours and things like that. But if I want to go mountain biking, I don't have to throw my bike in the car and drive somewhere to go mountain biking. I just take it out of the cellar and I go. Sundays is just a day, because everything is closed here, it's just a day to enjoy whatever that means for you. Just go out for a walk. I call uh, walking the Swiss national pastime because on Sundays, that's what people do. Doesn't matter the weather, they just go out for a walk.
1: <laughs> oh, I think that's awesome. That yeah. actually, it sounds like a very, a perfect lifestyle, especially if you're healthy and, and uh, you know, believe in walking and all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, so Janine, um, you are the pricing lady, but tell us about your
2: life before you became the pricing lady. So I started my career, as you said, as an engineer. Uh, I was actually designing buildings, so a structural engineer. And after university, I moved to the east coast of the U.S. just because I thought it would be cool to see another part of the U.S. <laughs> you <laughs> see a trend here already. <laughs> We're right. about three minutes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and uh, then I spent I spent a few years doing that and decided was not what I wanted. So I went into the corporate world and worked in the area of product management and marketing for a while and then focused really on pricing. And I did pricing, just pricing for about almost 15 years in in the corporate world. And most of that was traveling around the world, visiting the different legal entities of the companies that I worked for and helping them improve how they were doing pricing. And that's a lot of what I did. So why did you decide to um, start your own business? Yeah. So for me, I, w- as I was traveling and, and doing this work, I, in the last company that I worked for, I ended up being in a situation where it wasn't working for me. I was ever the optimist. And even though I wasn't very happy there, I kept thinking, Oh, it'll get better. If I just give it a little more time or if this just changes, if that changes. Right. And in the end I found myself in a burnout and That was actually, I had talked about having a business prior to that. And actually, I didn't realize it, but a few weeks ago, I found a copy of the very first business plan I ever wrote. And I thought I had done that in 2014, but the copy I found was from 2004. Wow. So so I had been thinking about it and some level uh, for 10 years, basically. And part of the reason I was, I had gone to the company that I had gone to is because they were a completely different industry. Right. And I wanted to see if those pricing skills and strategies that I've learned over the years and the experience I developed were transferable. And so it was there in my mind, but I liked the security of having a job. Okay. I use security in in quotes, but you can't see that. Uh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, because we like to think that that's the cure, but sometimes you find out it's not. And so I I had a hard time making the decision to do it because of the financial impact. And it's terrified the daylights out of me, quite frankly.
1: Oh, definitely. So you're talking about burning out. So tell us about that part of your life. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's something for me, I guess you could say it happened over time and crept up probably over a four or five year period. And I can't say that at the time that it was kind of accumulating and building up to me realizing it, that I actually knew what was going on. Right. Um, I knew something wasn't right. I knew I wasn't myself. Uh, I was crying all the time. <laughs> I couldn't really mm. figure out what was going on about that. And then when it came to um, my you know, work, I was struggling in ways that I hadn't, hadn't struggled before. And then a couple of people mentioned to me that they thought that maybe I was heading to a bird out. And I was like, well, okay, but didn't really know what it meant. Right. You know, quite honest, you know, it was one of those things that you kind of think, oh, you know, that happens to other people in a sense.
1: <laughs> right. So you were crying all the time. Yeah. And while you were in this job, but you wanted to start something new.
2: I didn't really, I didn't have that knowing at the time. So what what happened is when I, when things really came to a head with the burnout and I realized what was going on, I was having health problems for the first time in my life. So I went to the doctor to have things checked out. At the time I was also training for a a long lauf cross country ski marathon. Sorry, I can only think of that in German. A cross country ski marathon, which is, I've never done any sort of marathon. I've always been athletic. But I noticed, as I was training, um, that I was suffering um, in ways that weren't weren't normal, and so that was why I went to the doctor, and she told me that you know I was sick and that I needed to make some changes in life and then we talked about the burnout um, and so for me, it was really the health problems that clued me in in Switzerland they're very generous with not generous, but they healthcare system here is very helpful. And the company, I went on burnout leave for a few months and came back and the company was actually laying people off. And long story short, you know, I said to my boss, I can keep working here full time and look for another job elsewhere and try to get well. Or I can step out of the company and just focused on getting well and looking for a new job. So even at that time, I was still considering a new job. But then as I started interviewing for jobs, um, I found it very difficult uh, to muster any enthusiasm <laughs> for most of the right. jobs that I was interviewing for. And then finally, I just said, okay, either I stop talking about having a business or I do it. And so I did it. Right.
1: And so when you decide to do it, I'm going to say you said, I'm going to do this business. Did the fear um, come up in your mind about, oh my gosh, um, financially, how am I going to survive?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I look back at, you know, when I was in my teen years and thinking about going to university, one of the driving forces for me was I always wanted to be able to financially to take care of myself. And or if I ever had a family and needed to take care of that family or at least be contributing to that family, I wanted to be able to do that. And that was always a very a driving force for me. Money was security. It was safety for me. Right. And I had did very well with it. And so I was terrified. I feel like I spent quite a bit of time standing at the cliff, looking over the side into the entrepreneurial world below, but not daring to step over, you know. (laughs)
1: That's right. So so you did jump. I did. I
2: did. Like I said, Switzerland is a pretty generous place. So we pay into an unemployment program here. And so I had unemployment yeah. benefits for a while. And I also look at the savings that I had from the years I spent in the corporate world. Those savings are basically right. seed capital, if you <laughs> right. look at it that way. And uh, so I was very fortunate as well. Definitely.
1: So now fast mm-hmm. forward, you are the price lady, yeah. right? So on your website, mm-hmm. JanineLipson.com, you said each word sets a tone. Speak with clarity and confidence and customers believe you're worth the investment. What do you mean by that? Right.
2: So I think that one of the things that I see with young businesses, okay. And the people who are starting young businesses and micro entrepreneurs, so really small businesses is that they don't necessarily believe in their worth or in the prices that they have. So then when they try to communicate those things with customers, there's something missing. So a a perfect example, my heart goes out to all the coaches out there. This isn't a dig on coaches, but quite often when you meet someone new, you say, what do you do? And they go, Oh, I'm just a coach. You know, that is not going to be aligned if you're charging premium prices. And that's how you answer that question. There's a misalignment there and you may be a fantastic coach. However, if that's the way you're expressing that, that first impression you give potential clients is maybe not building a rapport with them that is aligned with what you're, what you can deliver and therefore what you're charging. Right. Now, why do businesses or entrepreneurs struggle with pricing so much? Well, first of all, it's not something we're actually taught how to do. So unless you've gotten a marketing degree uh, or maybe a finance degree, I guess sometimes they might cover bits and pieces of that in finance as well. It's not something we're actually taught how to do. There's a lot of information out there about how to do it. Some of it is rather misguided in in my opinion, Uh, but it's not something we're taught how to do. And actually one of the biggest Challenges I see that people have with it is that they don't necessarily understand that it is a tool you can use in your business, not just something you have to do. It's a tool that you can utilize in your business in many different ways. And once you start to see it as a tool, you develop a different relationship with it and then a different understanding of how to use it in your business. So, how do you help entrepreneurs? How do you help them price according to their worth? Right. In my opinion, the most important there's two important parts of the equation. And the first is your prices have to be rooted in a deep understanding of your target customer. So the first element is customer, and the second element is understanding how that works for your business. And a lot of times what we do is we start with, I'm good at laying bricks. So I'm going to start my own construction company and I'm going to lay bricks. But you don't actually know if the customer needs someone to lay bricks. Maybe that's not what they need. So that's what I mean by first understand who the customer is and what their problem, their need, desire, or their wanted transformation is. And then work from there to make sure that that aligns with what you want to deliver and can deliver. So the first thing that we do is really dig into who your target customer is and what that means in terms of what you're going to deliver. Because if you're not clear on the who you're targeting and the what you're selling, then it's really hard to price. So you must have that to, um, you have to know who your target market is
1: in order to price according to um, what you're worth.
2: It helps. So if you think about it this way, I use this example quite often, but it really gets the point across. So if you look at any product or service out in the world from the very beginning, the price range is zero to infinity. And if you just right. figure out I'm targeting college students versus I'm targeting middle-aged executives, then that target price range, without even knowing what you're selling, all of a sudden goes from zero to infinity, you know, towards the college students and zero to infinity towards the, the executives. And those are two, potentially two very different numbers in terms of ability to pay and willingness to pay, to have the similar problem fixed.
1: Right. What do your prices say about your brand and your customers?
2: Well, and this is a a really good point here. So it depends on your strategy. So there's a, I was walking in the streets of Basel. That's where I live. And there was a hairdresser called Easy Hair. And Easy Hair had easy appointments and easy prices. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So I think that most of us would read that and assume that they're striving to be on a low price level, as opposed to a premium price level. Right? Right. And so you can very clearly, just by setting your overall pricing strategy for your business, if you think of price takers, which are like a Kmart or a Walmart, Or if you're listening here in Europe, an Aldi or something like that. And then you have price makers who are like your Louis Vuittons and your high-end premium brands and shops like Pellegrino Water or something like that. You take the, you know, there's a spectrum there from price takers to price makers. And the first thing you want to do in your business is kind of decide, okay, based on who I'm targeting, you know, if your target customer is a bargain shopper, then you're going to be closer to the price taker end of the spectrum. But if you're selling or your target customer is looking for premium services, then you're going to be more towards the price maker end of the spectrum.
1: That makes sense right? Um, so if you're on the high, um, you sell high quality stuff, you can't
2: be selling stuff for 99 cents. <laughs> right. You can, and some people will buy it. Some people won't touch it because they won't believe that it could actually deliver the value. And of course, you always have to look at price in the context of value. And if you, mm-hmm. as the business owner, aren't communicating that value in a way that's aligned with the prices that you have, then you create confusion with the customer And confused customers generally say no.
1: Ah, so Mm -hmm. true. Um, Do you find that um, entrepreneurs price their products according to what stage they are in their business?
2: Sometimes, yes. So a lot of people, especially when they first start out and they don't know where to price them, they use one of two methodologies. Product businesses tend to add up their costs and add a margin on it and price that way. Service businesses tend more to look at what the competition is doing. While those are both you know valid methods that you can use, they generally end up people end up leaving money on the table, so they end up generally underpricing, sometimes overpricing, but generally underpricing. And I think most new businesses tend to underprice themselves, and as they learn and mature, then they start to be more aligned with the value that they're delivering in terms of their pricing. But it, you know it's difficult, and it's difficult to understand what that value is, that's why your understanding of the target customer is so important.
1: Right. And so does that have to do with confidence? Um, because um, if you're just starting out, you might not have any confidence mm-hmm. about, you know, if you're going to buy your products or not. But as you sell more products and you gain, and as the years go by, you gain more confidence. You can price more according to um, um, your worth mm-hmm. and, and because you're more confident. And you have money in the bank already. Yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's some element of that. So there's also a huge aspect of the pricing topic, especially for micro entrepreneurs, is mindset. And I think that's what you're alluding to here. A part of it is mindset. And when it comes to pricing, most of us have hangups in at least one of three areas, which is worthiness, success, or money. So we either have core beliefs that aren't serving us. So just think, you know, one of the questions I like to ask people or statements. I have, I have a series of questions that I ask people and that they complete statements. And one of the statements is money is, and let's say that your response to that is money is evil. Now, every time you sit down to set a price in your business or have a pricing conversation with a customer, of course, that is going to influence how you're doing it, how you think about it, Maybe how you communicate around it, and therefore it's going to cloud your judgment at the worst and influence your behavior. I cloud your judgment at the best, but influence your behavior at the worst.
1: Right. And so, if you believe that money, you need money to live and you want to make a lot of it, how do you price?
2: Well, you always have to go back and start with understanding the customer. Yeah, and then understanding what you're going to sell, and when you understand those two things, then that target price range starts to get more narrow, and you start to understand where you fit into that market. Uh, so, for example, if I'm trying to think of one that I just worked on recently with a client, where we were a pricing uh, Reiki lessons. She wanted to sell these Reiki sessions, more than lessons, Reiki sessions to clients. And we kept having troubles with that because she said, well, anybody can use that. And I said, well, of course anybody can use it. But if anybody is using it, then the price range is huge. Let's first figure out who you want to help the most or who you want to serve the most from the beginning. Uh, Are you looking to, you know, serve You know, people who work at the local grocery stores, for example, you know, or people who are, you know, English speaking, because of course, in in Switzerland, there's a, a huge English speaking community. And she goes, well, actually, you know, I don't speak that much German. So English speaking. Okay, then we can start to narrow it down. And as you start to narrow that down, you start to understand what that price range is. And then you have to check it against your position in the marketplace compared to the value that you deliver versus other people who right. deliver similar value. And you have to then check your cost and profit to see if you can actually make a living with that. So I'd love to say right. that there's this like calculation I can give you, but there's not. <laughs> it's an iterative process. Right.
1: So you have to also test it too, right? Yeah. That you're using, because I mean, so do you, do you tell your clients they should test? For instance, um, you know, we'll start um, this product, selling this product at $1,000. Maybe we'll try selling it at $900. Do you do you, um, encourage your clients to test? Absolutely. absolutely. Um, do you use testing?
2: Yeah, testing is is part of is part of the process as you put things out there in the market. Uh, generally, I also advise clients to have more than one offer at different value points because then you have different price points, and that gives right. people. You don't want to give people too many options, but if you give them three to five options, then it's easier for them to select which level of value. Is right for them and/or which price level is right. Whereas if you have only one offer, um, you can test one price and one offer. But then if they're looking for something to compare it to, they have to go outside of your offering and go basically to the competition. So that's one way to test different price points. Let me call them price value points because the price and the value always should be aligned to each other. But yes, testing is a big part of it, and I think that you know people who haven't had the benefit of working with a pricing specialist, you know. You'll find a lot of business owners have figured it out over time, uh, years right. generally, uh, by putting prices out there and testing what works better.
1: I believe in coaches, and I believe in having. I have a lot of coaches, <laughs> and I always look at um, their prices, and I, <laughs> I do notice that um, the ones that they have a variety, they have a like small, you know, maybe the price of a book. And then they have a next stage, and a next mm-hmm. level, and next level. And then I choose what level um, suits my budget. And so I think that's so correct when you say, you know, have about five different um, products that you sell. And, mm-hmm. uh, and then the customer will choose which one, uh, you know, they need at
2: the time. Right. Right. Or not, right? Because maybe, maybe it's not a good fit or it's not exactly what they're looking for or they don't really even know what they're looking for sometimes. Right. So true.
1: Because sometimes I don't know what I'm looking for, but when I see it, I go, ah, that's it. There it it." is. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. (laughs) All right. So So I learned about you from Facebook, and I learned about that uh, bridges are your other passion, (laughs) you know, uh, other than pricing. So you said bridges can be a great
2: metaphor for pricing. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So I actually, one of the things that I talk about or one of my signature talks is the five steps to pricing success. And I use the image of a stone arched bridge. Arches are actually one of the most structurally sound shapes that you find in nature, and if you look back at you know the history of architecture, you'll see arches have been used for thousands of years even. I didn't actually calculate that or, or look at the dates, but they've been used for a very, very long time. When I talk about these five steps to pricing and they are have the right mindset, have an aligned voice, set the right prices, communicate with confidence, and manage pricing over time, each one of those stones is an integral part of holding that bridge up without one of those stones, you don't have a stable bridge. And the the stone in the middle, which is called the keystone, is the last stone that you place that holds the whole thing together. And without it, again, you don't have a bridge that is going to stand up. And so for me, you know, one of the things that people miss in their pricing is that it's not something you just do once and you don't ever revisit. You actually want to be able to monitor and manage those prices over time because the things that affect your pricing are changing over time as well. And so the keystone, this managing prices over time, to me, is really what holds your pricing together. And because pricing has the biggest impact on the profits in your company, it's important for you to be managing that. Right. That's a great
1: idea. (laughs) You know, like the keystone, I love that. I love that metaphor if I'm using a bridge, you know, and that brick, that, you know, the keystone is going to hold everything together, hold the business together.
2: Exactly. Exactly.
1: Perfect. Okay. So I am going to ask you, how do you decrease stress in your life? As a solopreneur, <laughs>
2: how do you decrease stress yes. in your business and in your personal life? Great question. Thank you for that. So ever since the burnout, one of the main things that I have done is mindfulness training. I never, if somebody had told me five years ago, I'd be meditating every day, I'd tell them they were completely insane. because <laughs> That was not something, you know, that was something that Hippies did. <laughs> I've been up in California. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I can, I can
1: hear selling flowers on the exactly. road. Exactly.
2: <laughs> but I have to say that for me, it's been such a saving grace in in more than one way. So, like I said, I have a daily practice I do in the mornings, and then oftentimes, if I find myself low on energy in the afternoons. Or if I find that, you know, something that's happened or someone said has triggered me, I find myself using that meditation as a way to kind of connect back and ground myself. Sometimes there, you know, it's a meditation where I need to lean into the discomfort. Like a few years back when I, one job I was interested in and, and didn't get the offer, I was super disappointed. And before I would have been like, okay, tough it up, listen Just, you know, whatever, that's good. Just keep going, move forward. And this time I actually sat with that disappointment and let myself feel it before I moved on. And for me, learning how to do those things and how to face those difficulties or challenges in a different way has been very helpful for me.
1: That is awesome. Because, you know, in life, we're all going to have challenges. We're not going to get that um, that client that we want. We're not going to get that job we want. Um, things are going to uh, happen in life. But it's really good. I love what You said, you know, you, um, you meditate, you sit, with it, yeah. and you sit with it and you sit with it and then that way you can actually, you can get over it.
2: <laughs> actually, right? I find it dissipates much more quickly, not with everything. It depends on sort of the intensity level. Is it a, you know, intensity level code red or not? <laughs> but, right. you know, I find that I, in some circumstances, especially, I can definitely move past it that much more quickly, which means that I'm not, you know, living with this. I think during the years leading up to the burnout, I was living with such a constant influx of stress hormones, you know, just because of the constant stress, chronic stress I was going through. Uh, And now I'm able to recognize it one, and then I have different tools that I use to manage it better. Oh, that is awesome because you definitely need tools to manage your stress because,
1: because as, as you know, if you don't manage your stress, you're going to get sick. Well, it manages and you, right. end up in right. a doctor's office. <laughs> yeah. Right, exactly. So this is the last question here. You are a very successful, a very successful woman, but what are you still struggling with now?
2: Mm-hmm. Another great question. Thank you. Yeah, I think, you know, I, the, my business is still young. In, in in many ways. And one of the things in my business that I am still struggling with is actually, you know, getting everything to kind of function together. So for you entrepreneurs out there and business owners, you probably know what I'm talking about. For the, For the rest of the listeners, you know, there's a lot of different things that have to kind of come together in a business in order for you to get that next level of momentum going Um, and you know right now it's like I'm working on four or five different things that when they all come together it's going to be really great but right now you know I I was describing it to someone yesterday as it's like when you learn to drive a standard transmission car and you're kind of birding and sputting down the street because you can't quite get the gas and the and the clutch um, timing down right and you know that's kind of what it feels like but then when you get those things functioning and working together all of a sudden you're you're driving along a little bit more smoothly. So right now I'm in one of those cycles.
1: <laughs> that is a great metaphor for your for business because I feel I'm in the same position yeah. as you. <laughs> I'm trying to work on my I'm working full time. And I'm trying to work on my business. And there's so many things I have. I know. There's so many different things I have to do. And, um, you know, I mean, I got my book out. And I'm working on my my courses. I'm working on my online, um, you know, a membership site. There's so many <laughs> different things that I, I find that I, I'm juggling <laughs> with. And you're right. You know, like once I know that once it all comes together, yeah. it's going to be great. It's going to be smooth. Like the, like when you're, you know, when you drive a car, That what do you call that car? Yeah, standard expensive. transmission
2: car, yeah. Standard
1: Yes. When you're, when you're driving a standard and you learn how to, and everything coordinates well and it's right. It runs smooth. Well, right now the my business is not coordinating, coordinating um, well at the moment, just like yours,
2: but it, but I know it's going it to
1: happen. I know it's going to yeah. happen.
2: And then, and then, you know, and then you, you know, it gets going. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, I want to go and do this and, and build this. And then you're kind mm-hmm. of, it's like stepping into a different car that has a different clutch and, might be a little bit less you know a stiffer clutch than on the last car so then (laughs) i know it's weird a a woman having a car metaphor but it works
1: It works. I think it's great because I, so I, remember, I remember when I was um, learning how to drive um, my st- a standard in British Columbia and it's British Columbia has a lot of hills uh-huh. and it was so frustrating. The car would be rolling down. I'd be um, panicking because I was just learning and, and I said, why did I buy a standard? You know, because it was cool <laughs> to drive. But once I right. got it, once it all came together, it was smooth. You know, and I know that's the same thing's gonna happen for a business. Well, I mean not, not necessarily smooth because there's always gonna be things coming in right to test us. Yeah, but you're always learning. We're always learning, you know, and uh, and yeah, learning and learning how to do certain yeah. things, you know, because I mean like I know as a um you know, as a business person, I can't always hire somebody to do things for me. Yeah. So I have to learn it. I take courses to learn how to do some of these things for myself. Right. And that's a lot of time too, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know? I have one more last question yes. for you. <laughs> <laughs> Go back to your younger self who felt mm-hmm. afraid. What words of wisdom would you give her so she can believe in herself?
2: I think that the, the most important thing is, or what I would say to myself, is, Janine, take the risks to believe in your ability to figure it out. Whatever it is, you have the ability to do that. You just have to believe in it and own it. Awesome great advice.
1: So Janine, thank you so much for visiting me and talking with me and sprinting (laughs) to success podcast. (laughs) Thank you, Esme. It's been my pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to sprinting to success with your host Esme Lawrence. For more information on Janine, go to esmelawrence.com. Thank you so much and have an amazing day.
0: For listening to Sprinting to Success with your host Esme Lawrence, please be sure to subscribe, rate and review the show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to esmelawrence.com. That's E S M I E L A W R E N C E.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.